like we've said we're back <laughs> too many times we've had a lot going on in the last it's it, the last time we recorded the podcast was in january it's a january yeah. transfer window the last time we recorded the podcast together and since since then well during that time i uh moved to porto for a bit <laughs> moved stayed there for for nearly three months came back Felipe's moved house. <laughs> actually, house. <laughs> actually completed on the house and got himself moved in. Something which takes absolutely ages, and he's managed to do it yeah. all in the time since we last recorded. I just need recorded. now to spend the next thirty years paying this house, and then I'll be sorted. Yeah, yeah, perfect, perfect. You're in the house. That's the main thing. So I think that as a timeline gives a good indication. We had so many people asking where it is. And messaging when's it coming back, and didn't really have a fixed date. But you know, hopefully, going into the new season, we can be a little bit more consistent. No promises because it seems like every time we promise, yeah, we say okay every Monday or every Tuesday, and something comes up. Scheduling and keeping things clear and is not our strong point. Talking about football is our strong point, so. Let's just get straight on to that. But yeah, really happy to be back. So the summer so far, it's a good place to pick up and, and restart the podcast because we've obviously got pre-season. We've had a couple of international tournaments. We'll just pick up on the under-19 Euro final defeat. Unfortunately, Portugal, who were absolutely fantastic in the group stage and on the way to the final, lost 1-0 to Italy, The if you recall the, the team that they, they beat. 5-1 in the group stages uh, after Italy had went down to, to 10 men. So it was always going to be a, a, a difficult game. Italy, if you remember, in the group stage went 1-0 up as well and actually looked looked okay. Uh, but it was really when Portugal got it back to 1-1 and then Italy got that red card at the game 10. So I didn't go into the final thinking it would be a walkover for Portugal and it, and it certainly went that. Italy were, were on top. For large periods, especially in the first half, control possession. Portugal struggled. I think they didn't have their first shot until nearly the end of the first half. Second half changed things up and played a lot more on the front foot. But Italians in those one goal leads, hard to break down. And um, yeah, I think it was just a night where Portugal really needed their players, the ones who during the group stage had sort of picked the games up. When they'd hit a bit of a lull and, and 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 really, you know, took the game to the opponent, the likes of Hugo Felix, who in the final was dropping really, really deep, yeah. coming out almost at times at, at like right centre half, right back, picking up the ball and trying to move forward, and you could see that the players were trying to make things happen. Um, you know, the the wide players were were trying to get in positions. Carlos Borges was trying to get on the ball and make things happen, but. It just it just didn't click and, and to be honest, even at around sixty, sixty five minutes I thought this this match could go on for, for two days and I don't think Portugal would score here. Um that was just a feeling I got and and uh, yeah, Italy held on. But it's not the end of the road for, for this crop of players, certainly not that. Um it's it's obviously a disappointing it's a disappointing one to take. 
looking forward to seeing how they sort of adapt and move into under-21 football. But Philippe, yeah, what were your thoughts, both on the tournament as a whole and then obviously the, the final? Yeah, so starting by the final, because it was always easier to start by that, it was, it was really weird because the first half we started so poorly, um, just didn't play. Obviously, the idea that we had for the game, I think, didn't really work. And it was really hard for for the for the coach to to change that until half time, and then he made it a couple of subs and and he made it better. But I think Portugal try always to play a lot through the middle, and there were just no options there. They block Italy block all the inside lines, and that's why you mentioned really well. Felix was dropping so deep. There was a couple of times that we actually picked up the ball from centre backs directly. In Gonçalo Esteves was up the field. Sometimes he tried to come inside as well, and it was just another body in the middle, because they were so overlooking the central area where we Rodrigo came so well in the other games to drop and play in front with, with the centre mids and even with Carlos coming from, from the left. In that game, the first half especially, he didn't touch the ball and it was such an important part of the build-up play. So it was really hard. It was, it was, it was really nothing looked good, to be fair. It was, was long. That first half took ages to go past because we had no chance to, to have the ball. Um, and then there was a, the, the center mids that two of them, two players that I really like, and I think one of them, especially Gustavsa from Famalico, which I think is probably, if you take, Felix is a different type of player. But in terms of a career, I think Gustavsa is probably the one I can see going the furthest uh, as well. I think now in terms of minutes, the one that plays the most minutes in, in, the, first, in the first division. Um, it was very off. Um, of, of his touch it was not great he drew some falls but it was more into the fighting way with the Italians than actually trying to play the ball and then Samuel Just, which is a player that I love <laughs> and I think he could be on the first team from Sporting next season and nothing really worked for him either because I thought they were trying to get the ball in the middle and then they were starting to go wider and wider and wider and just completely disconnect off the game because sometimes Felix would come in the middle, Gonzalo Steves would try to drive inside, and Samuel was just going out onto the right, trying to have a touch on the ball, and the ball just would not get there. So he felt very disconnected. And then the second half, yes, we had more chances, had a bit more ball, but I think that was kind of what they wanted as well. They just drop off and be mm-hmm. like, okay, as soon as you lose the ball, we're going to ping one to, to Exposito because he holds the ball so well. And our centre-backs, even Goyello Luka very soon, Gonçalo Braz, and they were quite scared of him at some point. So, yeah, it was just, it was not good, to be fair. I don't think the planning was, was good, but he's one of those that I just need to, to ignore and move forward. He just didn't, didn't work anything <laughs> in yeah. their side. Um, so, it's quite hard. And then, in terms of the tournament and plays that I think will be able to make the step forward... I think obviously Gustav I think will be able to do it. Um, Gonzalo Steves is depends um, because depends. he needs to play Big Sparta. <laughs> it's, yeah. He has technical abilities and physical abilities that will be able to take him to the next step. But I think his decision making with and without the ball is very off the next level. Yeah. Um, then I think someone else just can can take the next step ahead. Rodrigo Rivey, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I don't think he will be a top, top striker. Um, Carlos Borges will depend as well. I'm not 100% sure, to be fair. 
people really like him, especially because he comes from City. But again, decision, the, decision making and struggles. I think in the tournament, as even as a, as a whole, I felt at times even when Portugal were playing, because he did really play some sort of liquid stuff, and you could you can see that he's exciting, and you can see that when he gets on the ball, you think he can make things happen. But I don't know. I, I think even for him, even in the group stage, he'll have been thinking this hasn't really took off. I don't know what his stats were in the group stage. Maybe one goal or one assist or something. But he, he, if it felt like. It's how he would, I just he underwhelmed me a bit, but I think because he scores on assists basically in every game in the in the Premier League too for City, yeah. they've won the league. I think they won the FA Cup. I think they might have done like a, a treble. They've won the Premier League for the last sort of couple of years at that level. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, I, and and because I don't watch him week in week out, I just watch him on sort of highlights. So yeah. Actually, watch him in a sort of ninety minute match on a couple of different occasions and think, ooh. What Actually, I don't, you know, what I didn't yeah. like, and that's why I think he will struggle, is sometimes, especially in the final, where you could see he was trying to make a difference, but he has too many touches per action, mm-hmm. which is something that doesn't really work in those in those positions. And I think that because he used to have, even because he's so quick, even if the touch is not so good, in can... the level is not so strong, so he can then recover because he's that quick. I think in the next step that distance between him and the fullback or whatever play will be in his zone is not going to be there and he'll struggle. That's why in the final he was he had to change sides because the the Italian player that scored, that I forgot the name, he was actually dropping so much in play almost like as a right wing back in the second half because the right back would come in and be a third centre-back. And because they were so level in terms of speed that every bad touch, he was able to recover. He was and on th- him like a flash, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, and I think that time. next level will make it even more evident. And and then it's, it is funny, like, it is a great tournament, but if I was looking at the last three finals, so this one, the one in 2019 and the one in 2018 that we won. And in terms of those teams, this one is definitely less stronger than the other two. Because mm-hmm. the one we lost in 2019, in yeah, um, he was the one with Fabi Vieira and Vitinha. They were lost in the final against Spain. Just Spain, yeah. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. From a Belgrade that obviously most of that team now is in the end of 21s. 21, yeah. Um, and then the year before, do you remember who was that team? It's ridiculous. The team, that, the, when we, no, when we won against it. Italy, yeah. Yeah, it was like, I remember that the, 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 the top goal scorers were Jota and Trincao. It yeah. had like Florent, Florentino Luis. Yeah, it was, um, it was stacked. The the, cool. the keeper's Kilton Bay, which is the one that's in Guimarães yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Got, the striker was Zé Gomes, which yes. starting, and then yeah, yeah. Pedro Martel, which is now is in Ireland, I think. Um, but yeah, he had three count Jota in that tournament, just a joke for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a yeah stacked stacked <laughs> team. I still remember that. That was against the that was against Italy as well, wasn't it? Yeah, the yeah, final. yeah. And Italy it the, only won the finals against Portugal, and Portugal only won the finals against Italy. Well, that's crazy. The only time they won, um, <laughs> which is mental. Uh, and then yeah. the one against Spain as as well. We had Fabi Vieira, Vintinha. The striker was Gonzalo Ramos. That the team was was still so strong. It was basically a team that went to the final in the twenty ones. The twenty ones, yeah. Um, against Germany. More disappointment there. Um, that was another heartbreaking game as well. The, that that Germany. That one was worse. That was worse. Heartbreaking because yeah. Another. 
frustrating one nil. But as you, as you say, we'll 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 see. It's it's always interesting to see if they sort of because the under twenty one level, it's almost sort of like that sort of bridge to the next to the next level. And if they don't go on and win the tournament, which obviously a Portugal squad never has. It's always interesting to see how they make that next step into senior football. But with the under-19s, it's always interesting to see because sometimes you get players that just pop up out of nowhere who are then part of the under-21 setup that weren't part of the under-19s. And then you have players that were really important in the under-19 setup yeah. that over the next couple of years may have a little bit of a, of a fall-off and the, the, the squad will change shape. And as you say, some of those players that maybe didn't stand out as much may... You know, sort of get on that sort of next yeah. level, and and then in that yeah. point, sorry, that is like straight into my mind. There's four players; they are old enough to be in this team. They were not, so you have obviously Dario Sug and Cermiti, both of them that Sporting didn't allow to go because they're doing preseason. Then you have João Neves. Yeah. obviously is already a level above, and even above that, um, Antonio Silva. He was old yeah. enough to be in this crazy. Yeah, and he's already playing, obviously, um, you know, the first team. So, so I suppose that's that's that's. I mean, that that's the objective. That's the aim. And as you see, you'll always get those sort of anomalies that you think they could still be part of that squad. I mean, even for the under twenty ones, if you'd have been able to to sort of map out, we've Portugal have always been great in terms of promoting players at the, you know, into that fold and getting them in the senior setup. But then sometimes I do think, imagine if you went into a, a youth tournament with with the players after the disposal, team, yeah. it's the gift. It's the gift in the case, isn't it? Because obviously, the, the the whole idea is to get them on a pathway into senior football, and if they're already there, you know, it can be maybe counterintuitive. But yeah, definitely interesting to see sort of what happens going forward. Disappointment, but you know, the, those players will know that the career is only just beginning, and you'll there'll be some players who'll carve out, you know, a Segunda Liga or lower team Premier yeah. Liga career. There'll be some that just completely disappear. There'll be some that will go abroad, and you'll think, "Oh, remember him when he played in the under nineteen Euros?" Like, there's so many of those players. You check the Wikipedia's now. Players who were like twenty eight, twenty nine, and you think, "Ah, he was part of the under seventeen team yeah. or the under nineteen team." And the striker, yeah, and the last one that we won was Zegon. Yeah. I don't even know where yeah. he was now. He was no, from basically same. a youth team, but he played one play. I think he plays like one game in the Champions League against Astana. And then he just goes completely off rail, which is which is mental. But after Benfica, he went well in between. So whilst he was at Benfica, he went on a couple of loans. But his career path basically has been Portimonense on loan, one appearance. Then he went to Lechia Gdansk, twelve appearances on loan. Then he moved permanently. Cheno More. Then he went to Sereigno. Sereigno. It's a team who plays in the Italian Serie D. Uh, then he went to CFR Cluj, who I imagine are Romanian. Then he went on loan to University Cluj. And then he moved permanently to Ethnikos Achne, who are a team who play in the Cypriot village of Achne in the <laughs> Cypriot second division. Yeah, And they have a stadium, which has a capacity of 7,000 seats. Oh, there you which go. Is, which, is, uh, which is not too bad, so... He's still playing in front of more than he would if he was in the Premier League. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, so yeah, and then we'll talk about some of the players of the future. Some players who, well, actually, some players from the past who are now in the club's future. 
the one that springs to mind now that we're on pre-season is uh, the return of Angel Di Maria, Ooh, who is back on the score sheet for Benfica after I think thirteen years after after his uh, his exit. And then another another team who've made a big signing, a huge signing, I think, a signing that could be a difference maker this season is a uh, sporting of of managed to finally get the signature of Victor Jocheres from Coventry, coming from the, the English Championship. He's scored goals for fun. Uh, he's a good age. He's sort of been at a couple of different clubs. He was at Brighton and then um, left there. And uh, But it's really at Coventry where he's where he's made his name and in the Championship. Uh, he's developed well, so he looks good physically. His goals, uh, the video of his goals that Coventry posted, of all his goals at the club, they you could see the sort of real repertoire of, of the left foot, right foot, he's good in the air, um, shots inside the box, uh, his hold up play as well. So he's definitely an interesting one in it and it and a, a strange a strange transfer in that coming from the English championship, like the second division, yet there's sort of this still expectation because of the transfer fee that's being paid and the fact that he was wanted by several Premier League clubs. He's made the decision to go to Portugal, where he, I imagine, he would have had bigger wage packets offered to him by the Premier League clubs, given the TV revenue. But what he does get uh, by going to to Sporting, he gets European football. He gets to play, you know, at a great stadium in front of great fans and for a great institution. I think uh, in England, especially, eyebrows are raised like, "Well, why is he going to Portugal?" Because it's you know it's seen as you do well in Portugal and then you get a move to England, but I think it's a smart move for him because if he goes there and hits the ground running and finds the back of the net with regularity, it's only probably going to be twelve to eighteen months before if it is a Premier League that club that club that's coming in for it. It's not going to be one of the bottom one of the bottom sort of five or six. It'll be you know, a, a bigger club in the Premier League, or it'll be someone from around Europe, or he can help Sporting get back to the top, back into the Champions League, and and um, and have a really good career in Portugal. So I think either way, he's he's it's a win-win for him. Obviously, he could go there and, and not hit the ground running, but I can't see it myself. Definitely, mm. I I think I I really wanted them at Everton. I do really like the look of them, and yeah, I think it's just a really interesting transfer because it's someone that, as much as people say. They've watched them because he does play in the championship and not the Premier League. None of us will have watched them as much as we'll have, you know, wanted to unless you're a Coventry fan. But yeah, I, I think he, he looks like he's got all the ingredients to me. Yeah, uh, it's it's funny because I at the same time I think he's a good transfer and a good idea. And at the same time I think he was not smart at all. <laughs> you want some other areas addressed <laughs> yeah because I think if you have that money to spend in one player and looking at the sporting team now I would spend that money great but in the Ugarte replacement yeah. or by number 6 because if they don't hire anyone what they're going to try to do is probably move Morita from the 8 Mezala type of player to Ugarte type of player and drop Pedro Gonçalves to a number eight. And if you look at the numbers last season, when every time that Pedro Gonçalves play in one of the middle two, Sporting drop in terms of goal average one goal per game, which is mental. 
is incredible. Yeah. So I think moving your best finisher away from the goal is never a smart move. So if I had that money, I would buy number six to allow Pedro to stay up front and not reshifting and moving these players across. So that's why I don't think it's a good idea. And then at the same time, I think it's a good idea him as a player because he gives something that no other sporting striker can give you, which is he can actually come and hold up the ball like Pauline does. Not so, I think Pauline is better at that, but what he can do a lot and does it really well is turn, spin and get in behind in terms of pushing the defense back and back. So for those games, I think it's perfect. But looking at 75%, 70% of the games that Sporting plays, that option is not going to be there because the team just dropped back. So I yeah. don't think it was smart move in terms of spending the money for an area that is not straight away needed. I think there's other places they need to adjust more. And then for play, that will be very good. I, I like him, but from what I know of him, his strong access is to spin game behind and then progress with the ball which I don't think will happen very often in the Portuguese league. So it is it is weird <laughs> because, yeah, I, yeah. I don't it's understand one for sure. why you have that money and don't you turn... I would easier spend those 20 million, go buy Altmusrati from Braga and stick him in there. Yeah, someone that's a ready-made sort of replacement, knows the league and can slot right in. But as it, it was as soon as, as, soon as the, the interest from the club came out, like ages ago, and then when the sort of prices that were being mooted were, were being thrown about, I thought, yeah, there's there's no chance they'll, yeah. they'll pull out. The fact that they stayed in right to the very end, and I thought, no, nah, it's a bluff, it's a bluff. And then to actually to go over the line with that much money, as you say, it's it, it probably could have been put in it in other areas, but I suppose. And I don't just understand got to, either. Got to trust the board <laughs> from going into last year in Gen being like. We don't need another striker. Like, mm. we don't need it. It's fine to, oh shit, we need to spend 20 million in one striker. It's a it massive probably... pivot. Like, you cannot defend yeah. both options. Yeah, it was probably watching the, the amount of missed chances <laughs> and thinking, <laughs> why did they say that we didn't? Why did, why did they say that we don't need another striker? Um, interesting. Very interesting. And then back to the veterans, we've got. A uh, uh, Euro 2016 winner, a UEFA Nations League winner, a League on winner, winner, a uh, French Super Cup winner, the Lille captain, has uh, uh, has left for Braga. He, uh, I think it's a a smart pick up from from Braga. I think it's just a one year one year contract. Um, he's 39. He'll turn 39 in December, isn't it? Yeah, like this season, it's 40. Yeah, and do you know what I loved? I loved um, Braga put a like a sequence of photos on Instagram, and it was like 2016 Euro 2016 Nations League, league on, and then they put the picture of him with Southampton winning the Johnston's paint trophy, <laughs> and I just thought, and, it, and, it, and the cap the the caption was like like picking up silverware or like a born winner it was something cliche like that, and I thought. The Johnston's paint trophy has just been included in the same <laughs> sequence. Like it's not a major trophy. Until uh, celebrate. It, it's literally. I mean, Joseph Font himself looks about thirty years <laughs> younger than what he looks like today. 
Um, yeah, I, I found I just I found that funny, but it's it's another it's another signing for Braga, a club who've who've been moving quietly, getting deals done, um, and look to be look to be trying to put themselves in a position to to have another strong season. Obviously, they they pulled the trigger on Bruma. Again, a, a bit of a risk for them in terms of how much they paid, six and a half million. Yeah. But if you actually look at his impact in terms of sort of goals and assists, chances created, he's nearly at the top of basically everything. That on, you know, I think he, he he finished the season with two fewer assists than Ricardo Orta, and I think he played um, like 1,500 minutes less or something like that. So um, Vito Carvalho as well from, yeah. from Gilles Vicente, another... It's a clever, it's a clever signing. It's someone who ranks quite high. I looked at his numbers in terms of not only his silver sense but the league. All his numbers indicate that if he's playing in a team, um, with just slightly better players around him, or for a team that's expected to win more games, that he'll continue to sort of perform at that sort of high level. Victor Gomez as well, purchased on a permanent deal. You've got, I was gonna say. Someone like Abel Ruiz is full of confidence, but after missing that penalty in the yeah. twenty one final, I'm not too sure. But again, you know, they're looking, they're looking positive, and I think that the signing of of Jose Font as well is one that's like he'll come in and obviously he's great for leadership and he's great for his experience and how he'll work day to day on the training pitch. What he can also then give you, sort of on the field as a captain and as a leader. Um, it, I mean. Who knows? Who knows how the sign and all sorts of play out? But yeah, Braga. There's some. There's a. There's some. There's some interesting stuff going on there, and I think I'll be putting out a piece soon on on Prosimijonada making the return to their website as well. Um, <laughs> podcast one week and, and writing articles the next uh, on on Braga and and their sort of pursuit into of making history next season. Yeah. But yeah, For- interesting to see them. Yeah, yeah, because obviously the signings that you said are great, but then you, you need to add obviously Zalazar from Schalke, which is a very good yes, number yes, eight. only like two or three days ago, yeah, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. A very, very good kind of number eight that can play in kind of like the Andre Orta as an Andre Orta replacement because Andre Orta struggles to to have full on ninety minutes at a very high level, yeah. Um, and and another one to replace Keira as a as a left back, which was Adrian Marine from Gil Vicente that the year before was at Family Cow. Um which which is honestly probably so far the best in terms of group of players the from the loans that they then they hire and the new ones that very, very strong window. And talking about Family Cow, something that just happened well to us in time of recording <laughs> like less than an hour ago, the transfer of the season, which is <laughs> Enrique Araujo is going from Benfica to Famalicão on a loan deal, which I think would be perfect for him for his his growth. Like we spoke two years ago now, maybe when he started to to come on, that I think and I still believe that uh, he's a better player than Gonçalo Ramos, as a better finisher than Gonçalo Ramos. Um, so I'm quite happy that he has a chance to actually play a full season in a top division. Obviously, Watford would never would work for him six months in a, in a league that doesn't suit him at all um so i'm quite quite happy with that one yeah definitely i think we've still got that episode where i think it should be on spotify somewhere it was yeah about 18 months two years ago and we were literally it was just a any 
uh, praise session for an hour talking about um because he was obviously coming off coming off the bench and he was he was he was what he was doing with Benfica B and then the minutes that he was getting in the in the Benfica first team as well it was like he was like scored a goal in the Champions League and it's like the, he could and then it just the loan and the loan never works so you know fingers crossed that this yeah. one this one does. No, do you know what? another really good signing that they he was already playing in Portugal last season. He was already playing at Famalicão, so I I really like for what Famalicão is doing this year as well. Which was a centre back. I think I saw him like a couple of games, and then I I, I think I I sent you a text being like you did this you this, did this yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like he's going to be fun. such a good centre back, and now he's like for done. Like so, he's going to stay um, permanently at Famalicão, which is Otavio. Which is, I think he was at Flamengo, but he never really played much in the first team. Uh, yeah. And then he went six months to Famalicão uh, last year, and now he's, he's staying for good, which I think mm. is a centre back as a place. It's just too good. It will be one of those that stays at Famalicão one year, maximum two, and then will go into sporting. It says here the transfer fee was 430000 Don't know if that's accurate, but. Record, yeah, record mentioned half a million, so he must be around that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, good job to uh, good job to Famalicão for getting that sorted. Because, as I say, if he moves, when he moves, I think they'll uh, they'll be earning a nice tidy profit on that. Just to sort of finish off, I've got a little bit of a quiz. I call it a quiz, not really a quiz, but some some questions based on last season's Premier League. So nothing, nothing too difficult. It's not to do with teams. It's individual players. You can have a couple of guesses for each. I'm going to give a category. Uh, some some of the questions I've, I've already got sort of written down, but some of them I've got the data at my disposal ever since uh, beginning to work formally for Opta. I've been able to dig into uh, some really deep detailed Portuguese just this year. So so um. There's, there's, there's a cut. To be honest, I was just having a look for for an article that I was doing, and I spotted there's quite a few interesting uh, sort of categories. This one is an interesting one. The two, the Premier League this season, the Premier League has now lost the top two players who created the most big chances. Now I think one of them you'll get. The other one might be a bit more difficult. So, the the two players in the Premier League last season to create the most big chances, one of them created twenty two, and the other one created nineteen. Both players have since left the league. Can you name the two players? Uh, Is it? Oof. And also at home, pause. You can pause, Philippe, and uh, have a little think to yourself. Play along. I feel one of them. Ooh, I just quick like uh, thing. And any of them from oh. like top three? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Big one chances. Of, one of them is to be like Grimaldo. One of them is Grimaldo. Yeah. Well uh, the other one. Grimaldo no, is twenty-two. Uh, Grimaldo created the most big chances. Uh, he also created the most chances overall with 74. That's including assists. Well, he was level with Pedro Gonçalves. But yeah, most big chances. Grimaldo tops so many lists, so many sort of statistic ranks. Is the other one from Praga? Maybe. Yeah, you're in there then. Ah, uh, you've been Googling? No, do you know what? Yeah. 
hand them. I just had the list of every player that left. Oh, you see, looking at the transfers out. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yuri Medeiros created 19 big chances, so oh, three fewer like, like than Grimaldo. And then the league. To, to, to close out the top five, so you had Grimaldo with 22, Medeiros with 19, Margaret Edwards with 16, Pedro Gonçalves with 16, and Bruno Sadas with 14. They were for the most uh, big chances created. Now, another one. Only one player in the Premier League scored more than one hat-trick last season. Who was it? One player that scored more than one hat-trick in the league. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Taremi. It was Taremi. And for a bonus point, it was only actually two players who scored hat-tricks. Yeah. Taremi and... It feels like something Gonzalo Ramos would do, but it might be too easy. If he's Gonzalo You'll Ramos. kick yourself. You will kick yourself for not getting this. Okay. <laughs> not that. <laughs> because I cannot would not never do. He then won like two years ago against Portimonense, but that was it. Mm. I can't remember this player. I can't remember the hatter. <laughs> I'm going to have to check it to make sure that often happened. <laughs> Advice, but I don't. I don't think they will have. To be fair, um, Trinko. It was. It was. It was yeah. 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 It was. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Well done. You had to say it's deep in the uh, deep in the, in the back of the mind for that one. Now, yeah, this one's difficult, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Which player played the most minutes overall? Now. I'm going to exclude goalkeepers, but what I will actually say, which I find, because usually it's like 10 goalkeepers and then it gets 12 fielders. Yeah. This player, even with goalkeepers included, is second overall. And he's an outfielder. Wow. And he's a striker, a forward. Striker. And he played 3,034 minutes. To put that into context, Vlachodimos played 3,058 minutes, and I think he played every minute. Yeah. So this player's. Missed what, like twenty four minutes all season? I think if that's right. <laughs> no, that one I don't think. I'm He's very, think. very, very influential for his side. Without his goals, I don't know where the side would have finished. He's also moved oh, in this transfer window. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, yes, say, yes. I was gonna say. <laughs> the clue before before the last one, before the move one, I, I would get it. Yeah. He played okay. that much. Wow. Who won the most tackles? Manuel Gart. He did, with 70. Now, do you care to go for the silver medal? Do you, do you care to go for who finished second with 63 tackles? Um, I'll be very, very impressed if you get this. I won't lie. Oh, your idea is me because there's nothing on the, the top ones. Nothing in the no, not doesn't play for a one of the big three mm. or big four or big five or big six. <laughs> <laughs> Where does he play? Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. Costinha, Rioal. Oh, miles off. I was, I was thinking like as a centre mid. Yeah, sixty. Like Sixty-three, um, and then Costinha, which has been very linked to Port. I tell you what. Oh, should we have a should we have a little should we have a little look at who the who the most unlucky player is? So, 
there was three players who all finished joint top for the most times, hit the postal crossbar, hit the woodwork. Six times. Each of these players hit it six times. Yeah. Then there's a there's one who hit it five times and there's one who hit it four times. Now what I will say, this is this this could be quite important. Of of those top five, of those top six, sorry, only two of them play for a big three. And you actually look at the, 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 the first three players, the ones who all hit it six times, all play for a club outside the big three, and you think Imagine if just one or two of those chances. Yeah, because wow, yeah, that's 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 big. I, I'll give you I'll give you the clue. One of the players plays for Bo Vista. One of them plays for Pastor Ferreira. And the other one plays for Porto Minense. Yeah, and you think I'm because I felt I felt for him a Yusufa. Yusufa in yeah. GA hit it six times. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there was one it, game to be fair that he hits half of them. I think there's one game like I feel I was watching either two or three times. Um, yeah. They play at home against who? Maybe if he what? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he, he still and he still manages to finish with his best season for for um for most open play goals with ten. Yeah. Only Ricardo Water, Fran Navarro, Mediterranean, and Gonzalo Ramos score more goals from open play. So if he just had a couple more of those that hit the hit the post and crossfire, he'd have uh, yeah. Um, he left for Catana as well for um, yeah. The one, but the one who um. The one who plays for Pastor Ferreira, and I'm thinking, God, those six goals might have been so important. Yeah. I already forgot their strikers. Um, Jawa? Macho? No, he's a wizard. This player's a wizard. Gaitan? Nicola Gaitan? Nicola Gaitan, six times. Six times. He's too good, isn't it? That's his problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's why he only got that's why he only got three goals from open play this season. Yeah, mental. Um, he doubled the hits on crossbar then goals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And then uh, the third player, Portimonense. Uh, and this player scored five goals from open play. So not bad if he if he'd have converted these six, he'd have finished with eleven goals. Really good. Very good play. He left as well. Uh, I think he did, yeah. Wellington. Yeah, yeah. Such a good Wellington. player. Such a shame. Um, I'll I'll let you off there. I'll uh, because you, I think you did. I think you did very well there. To be fair, you gave it a really. You did better than I would have. Some of these, and some of, you know what's interesting. Some of these categories, when you sort of filter it by largest to smallest, I always see names, and I think, oh wow. Right. Well, we'll leave it there. Philippe, a pleasure as always. Mate, it's always nice to see you. I hope you all enjoyed it. See you next time. See you next week.